This podcast often contains controversial or mature topics. You have been warned. Hello and welcome to the inaugural episode of Raygun Readers. My name is Chris. I'm also known as Abysme on the internet. I make horror and sci-fi ambient music. I'm also on a couple podcasts myself, such as Manor House and Sinister Smile. And with me is my co-host, Paprika. Hi, um, my name is Carla, and I'm also known in mostly just video games as Paprika. Um, in my normal time, I have a job, and I was I have a master's degree in physics, and uh, yeah, Abysme yeah. thought I would be useful <laughs> in helping narrate these stories. <laughs> uh, we are planning to narrate and... Uh, We'll rather recite and analyze sci-fi stories from the internet, uh, both old and new as well. So yeah, let's get started. Uh, Okay. This first story is just entitled Mission Logs, and uh, there are four right now. I believe there's a plan to have ten, but uh, they are uh, a good start, and they are from the Short Sci-Fi Stories Reddit, and the author is uh, KubigJ, K-U-B-I-G... J-A-Y, who was very nice in volunteering his stories for this first pilot. Thank you, Kubig J. (laughs) All right, Uh, I'll start. Mission Log 1. I am tired. EVA is normally a grueling task, but four hours spent scrubbing the radiators was pure torture. Complaining was pointless, I know, but it is my God-given right. After two months in this stupid tin can, complaining is the one thing they can't take away from me. Wait, 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 wait. I think the tin can is supposed to be a spaceship. Probably. Um, and what is EVA, do you think? What does that stand for? Oh, gosh. Uh, it was in The Martian, too. It's Really? It's a, it's a common NASA term. It's. A... I didn't know that. See, this is why I wanted you on the podcast. <laughs> See, this is exactly why I wanted you yeah, on the Yeah, but here. I'm not that good because I've already forgot what it means. It doesn't matter, but it was in The Martian, right? Yeah, it's a... a Environmental? A... Electro? Pause it. No, no, this is fine. Just keep talking. No, I don't remember what it is. It's okay. We can look it up. You can look it up as I'm reading. It has something to do with going outside in a suit. Oh, okay. Wait, so... one second. <laughs> We're looking up EVA. <laughs> Apparently it's an airline. Well, while you're doing that, I will continue to read the log. Okay. So, da-da-da-da-da. After two months in this stupid tin can, complaining is the one thing they can't take away from me. It is hard to remember the excitement of when we started. Oh, you found it? Extra vehicular activity. Okay, that makes sense. So going outside. So if you're in a spaceship, outside the vehicle. Uh, Okay, cool. So he's scrubbing radiators in space We can um, from his spaceship. All right. It is hard to remember the excitement of when we started. The secret construction of our ship, the lack of notification to rush training timelines, and finally, the communications blackout so we couldn't even tell our families where we were. But we have no choice. Earth is dying. The science has been clear for generations. Then the Northern Union claimed the Moon and Mars for themselves, but we will claim Venus. Now, if we only could design a suit that doesn't chaff my tail. (laughs) Okay, so we've got a almost like an NGO or something that is working some government contracts to scrub radiators to help colonize other planets. We don't know what time period this is in, but I think we can extrapolate that it's the future, like probably the distant future. We can also uh, assume that conquering is a thing again. Or colonizing, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so 
click the link to mission log two and go ahead. We were wrong. Oh, sorry. Mission log two. We were wrong. We won't be the first, just last. I can believe that the Northern Union had constructed a ship for the trek. Shoot, their Mars vessel Sojourner could have been repurposed. Was Sojourner an actual... Yeah, it was, was an a... actual satellite. Yeah, that was. Pretty sure. Okay. Uh, what I can believe is how fast they are moving. What, oh, what I can't believe is how fast they were moving. We waited until the window had opened for an efficient transfer. There was no other way to get to Venus. With the Delta V, we could get to orbit. But the NU, they must have sunk every lift for the past six months, for the last six months to get to orbit. Launching out of the window cost them at least 2,000 meters per second. Squared. Squared. Yeah. Uh, acceleration. But gets them to Venus a lot quicker. Control thinks they saw us depart and get spooked. There really isn't any other reason for them to launch when they did. I wonder if they will even let us land. Sad to think I am traveling millions of miles just to want, just to go back home. At least the media blackout is lifted and I can talk to my wife and hatchlings again. Okay, so... Hatchling. Yeah. He said tail in the first one. I want a, a, a suit that doesn't chaff my tail. And now he's saying hatchlings. Did lizard aliens colonize the Earth? Yeah. In the distant future? Now they're colonizing the solar system. Okay. So... V was right, basically. <laughs> you think he's taking... Um, Maybe Delta V is an illusion. <laughs> um, do you think the author is taking uh, influence from V? Which, to those of you who don't know, V is a... Uh, it's a sci-fi series based off of... There was a one in the 70s, and then it was rebooted, uh, what, like 2010 or something? Not too long times. ago. Was it a couple times? Oh, well, I mean, they, they, they revived it a couple times. There was a miniseries, and then there was a show. And yeah. then, like... Yeah, like... What, five years ago, they redid it with the lady from Firefly that plays Inara. Oh, and that. she was she was uh, spoiler alert a reptile <laughs> alien. <laughs> well, so basically, um, in that show, lizard aliens come to Earth, promising progress and stability, and just to basically improve human lives on Earth. Uh, it which in in turn takes influence from Childhood's End, which is an old sci-fi book that if anyone hasn't read, should read. It's amazing. Um, well, that's it. That's all we got. Goodbye, folks. That's all we know. <laughs> uh, and so under that guise, that, but basically it was nefarious. And um, it was nefarious in V, their motives for coming down to Earth and Childhood's End, less obvious what it was about. I won't spoil it. But yeah, so maybe he's taking cues from that. All right. So let's go to three. I won't be able to sleep tonight without visions of flaming wreckage tumbling in front of me. The Sojourner, the NU confirmed they were reusing their Mars vehicle, looked so good going into their insertion. We watched them approach Venus with a great angle, barely missing Eros. Then we lost them behind the planet just before the arrow breaking. When they next saw them, we knew they were doomed. They were already too deep in the atmosphere and still dropping. We were probably the only eyes capable of viewing them, directly. The ship started to tumble and then split. Finally, a small explosion went off and a myriad of debris quickly burnt up in the Venusian atmosphere. I just hoped they were all dead by that point. Luckily, we didn't have radio contact. The NU would never share their glory with us, even if they were the closest people this side of the sun. Even if we were the closest people this side of the sun. Looks like I was wrong again. We will be the first on Venus. 
Okay, so they, as we know, they are in conflict with the Northern Union, which another faction from Earth? Maybe the original humans from Earth? Or maybe north of the solar system? Or maybe the What the hell is galaxy? north in space? <laughs> <laughs> that, that too. <laughs> maybe there's a galactic magnetic field. Oh... <laughs> uh. Uh, just head south by southwest solar system <laughs> <laughs> all right uh next right. one yeah uh, yes mission log four this is the last one we have um i'm liking it so far i hope uh he does uh the author does make a 10-part series out of this mission log four well i'm officially in the record books first step on venus although bumpy the landing went exactly as we planned okay hold on do we know that Venus actually has a surface? It's not a gas It does. Planet. It, it does? does have a surface. Okay, There's sorry. even a satellite that took pictures of the surface wow. before it burned up like half an hour later. Seriously? Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And terrifying. And I didn't find that from science. I found that on like Imager. So. That's science. <laughs> That's science for the modern, modern <laughs> millennial. <laughs> okay. All right. Although bumpy, the landing went exactly as, plan as we planned. Chutes deployed right at, on mark, and the landing zone was as solid as we hoped. We only missed our target by five meters. Of course, I still gave Joff grief about his horrible Jeff. piloting skills. Depends on who you talk to. Really? Like, it's... Okay, fine. It, it, no, it's, it's, it's Jeffrey. It's Jeff. It's, no, it's Jeff in the UK, too. Okay. All right. Uh, we only missed our target by five meters. Of course, I still gave Jeff grief about his horrible piloting skills. Dick. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever be able to wrap my head ar around that first step, putting my talons on a planet that no one has ever visited before. My son wanted me to do something silly or funny for the people back home, but this was a time to be an adult in every meaning. Luckily, we had several speechwriters work on my famous words. <laughs> Quote, We have landed on this world, not as explorers nor conquerors, but as settlers. Our efforts will be... For the betterment of all Saurians, oh. not just those of the Confederation, the survival of our species will be ensured by the work we begin today. Un end quote. Sure it, is, sure, it is a little high and mighty, but I like that dig against the NU with that conqueror bit. So, they said Saurian, and now this is leading me to believe this is a version of earth where dinosaurs had not gone extinct and remained Ooh. the dominant species and yeah. evolved that's kind of fun that's why they have tails and tails yeah and stuff. so i thought it was lizard aliens from space but it's but then, lizards from earth who would be around to name them specifically saurians well, why not they're like well so this is working you know, on the assumption <laughs> <laughs> this is working on the assumption that carbon-based life form is always going to take kind of a familiar path uh, come, and come up with the same Latin-based root word. Well, I mean, sure, <laughs> but you know what would it matter? The difference of what he, the author named it, and the fact that he named it Sarians. I'm assuming a he. I'm sorry. Uh, it's, I think that's meant to communicate to the reader that these are dinosaurs, and this is not the. I mean, I heard this in a Star or Trek episode. Maybe the dinosaurs went to Mars and came back and conquered Earth. And now they're taking over the solar system. Maybe. That was in the story. There was yeah, reference to Mars. Yeah, but somebody else had Mars, I think, in the story. The yeah. NU. But what if those are just other dinosaurs? You know? It, it actually it poses a lot of cool questions as to when the space race really does take off. Not just getting off Earth, but colonizing other planets. Um, 
these factions are probably going to be military industrial complex agencies. You know, it's going to be it's going to be NGOs, but very spurred on by government funding for the interest of whatever country, right? Dinosaur government funding. This kind of dinosaur government funding. Um, so, you know, yeah, like if if America and China tomorrow both had the ability to go colonize planets, you know that they would be racing to do it. You right. know, everyone would want Mars first and whatever other inha- semi-inhabitable planets there are. Um, I think the only one... We, we, we recently discovered one, right? That might be... What? Uh, what, what's the closest Earth-like planet within... Oh, um, the one that was outside of another... I think it's Proxima. Yeah. Proxima B. Proxima A. Proxima B. There was a, a planet that was discovered 40 light years away and there. And I, yeah. It's yeah. kind of fun to go, ooh, maybe we can land on it in some in- exorbitant number of years. And this is assuming that we can do it within our own solar system, of course. But Wait, the story... Right. Oh. The story is assuming that. But yeah, it brings up interesting questions. Um, I was going to say Mass Effect. The overarching story of that was history repeats itself and all carbon-based life assumes a certain path and then it gets too big and then the Reapers have to come in and reap it back, basically. They have to do a clawback. Um, and I th- that's a common common theme or motif, I guess, in sci-fi. A lot of sci-fi writing. So that is... The mission logs up to date, uh, one through four. I like this story. I hope he makes it a ten-parter. Um, I'm assuming he again. I'm sorry. Uh, so yeah, um, that was cool. We're gonna move on to the next story. So this is this is a story from the Creepypasta Wikia. Now you're probably wondering why are we reading Creepypasta, and that is because yes, Abysme, Why are we reading Creepypasta? <laughs> I said you should have waited for me to ask. <laughs> I'll, I'll consult you next time. Uh, why are we reading a creepypasta? Because creepypasta has evolved from its origins of just anonymous flash horror fiction to... Written by preteens. Ooh. Um, pretty much anything is game as long as you make it spooky. Written by preteens. And sure. <laughs> um... And so that will cross over with history, sci-fi, action, everything. So there is, there's a lot of science fiction to be seen on the website. So we are kind of combing through it to see if there's good examples there. We don't want to leave any stone unturned here. All right. So which one did I say we were going to do? Uh, a recollection. Uh, okay. <clears throat> a recollection of the events of January 8th, 2015. So we will go. I have not read this. Uh... I think I read like sparse sentences from paragraphs to see if it was good enough. Uh, yeah, we're gonna do this. Let's do it paragraph by paragraph. Okay. All right. I will start. Okay, <clears throat> the longer ones. <laughs> Five years ago, my former colleague at the University of History in Platinum, Indiana. Is that actually a place? Mm. Oh. Five years ago, my former colleague at the University of History in Platinum, Indiana, dropped out of college in favor of Stranger Studies. Okay, that screams to me already Lovecraft. Um, I'm an enormous Lovecraft fan. Anyone who knows me knows that. That doesn't mean it's automatically good, but okay. Following his slow months-long descent from his scholarly work in order to make time for increasingly archaic and frankly worthless pastimes, was he just playing a lot of Xbox Live? Who knows? 
Uh, Kelton Haven, my colleague, made the personal announcement to myself alone that he was leaving Platinum and returning to his hometown in Nanatuska, someplace far north of Platinum, but well within the bounds of Indiana nonetheless. Was it necessary to say that? He just said it was in northern Indiana, whatever. It's, it's the north where they, they experience cold. <laughs> well, it's Indiana. It's where all they're cold. no longer green. Well, Chicago's in Indiana. It's just it's cold up there. It can get really cold. Having much concern for his well-being at large, I question his motivations. Furtively, thoroughly. Furtive. What? Furtively, thoroughly, he explained. Having much concern for his well-being at large, I question his motivations. Furtively. Thoroughly. He explained that he was pursuing the opportunities that awaited him in the town, in his town of old. More specifically, he ascertained to me that, the mot- that his motivation did indeed lie in the secrets that were inexplicably buried in the rural midwestern town of Nanatuska. Uh, he left with his dubiously acquired books, a meager collection at best. Each book was, which was exceedingly thin with, ra- with rare knowledge, on a rainy day, and as he departed... I stood at the foot of the university's impressive front spire, able to easily see the vast concrete parking space. There came a brilliantly effulgent flash of lightning, brighter than any I'd ever seen. Presently, I was blinded only for a moment, but when my eyes returned to me, I could have sworn that Kelton's navy blue car was thrice farther away from my vantage point than it should have been. This, though... I passed off as a mere hallucination of a worried mind. I gave little thought to Kelton Haven in the preceding months, but soon enough my attention was drawn back to his strange behavior. One day I sternly remembered one of his most capricious peculiarities. Okay, I actually like that. Capricious peculiarities. It had appeared unexpectedly, catching me off guard and shocking me to the core. In our shared dorm, not everything could be kept secret at all times, which occasionally included badly timed glimpses at the other's lack of clothing. In one such circumstance, when I had arrived back at the dormitory after an extended day of grocery shopping, as well as acquiring specific textbooks, I'd stepped back into our own dorm, you already said that, when immediately I saw at the end of the hall, in the joined living room and kitchen, Kelton standing bare-chested over a table, looking over one of his denser books. This is very Lovecraft. Uh, The rare knowledge, the... Descent into madness. He didn't say well, madness, well, even but... even, like, studying each, other, each other's behavior and yeah. the, like, large adjectives and everything. All right. At my sudden intrusion, he spun around quickly, allowing me an unobstructed view of the simple yet all-consuming black tattoo spanning from his lower chest to his upper belly. And my mind could no longer handle it. <laughs> that tattoo was so dope. <laughs> so dank. <laughs> its form i can hardly describe as it was composed of such unusual patterns which somehow could not be accurately categorized as simple or complex it was an enigma out of place and shockingly out of character for kelton uh i want that tattoo artist yeah okay and who doesn't go to college going i'm gonna get a tattoo this year fuck you mom and dad all right your turn oh uh, why would he blemish his body with such a blasphemous thing college yeah, again, college. It's college. This question burned in my mind for close to three years. <laughs> After two years. You thought on your roommate's tattoo for three years. It must have been a damn good tattoo. I want I'm, that artist. I'm jealous. Uh, after two years following Kelton's uh, departure, 
uh, until finally I received an unexpected letter from an old friend in the mail. As expected, the sender had been Keltonhaven. The strange medium of communication fit with his eccentric demeanor, as there were uh, many easier means available, including the lightning-fast utilization of any computer easily obtainable from a nigh every from nigh every modern store in the world and he wrote in such a bizarrely foreign script barely intelligible as english that i admit i had to reread his letter several times simply to make sense of it additionally there were numerous inconsistencies in the spelling and grammar of his letter as if the grammatical rules and dialect of another language were in instinctually rooted in his brain and actively interfering with his comprehension of English. English. The letter is, word for word, mistakes included, as follows. So now we are getting a email transcript and in italicized text is the kind of weird English he's supposedly speaking. December 10th, 2014. My friend, dear... Bryce Cunning, bringing to you I give invitations for you to come to my old town, Nanatuska, Alakum Ganju Eajeol. Discussions heavy will follow for us to relearn those things I quit for whom my formal education years ago, Fife. <laughs> to come <laughs> to come you, my Nanatuska residential. Okay, so come to my house. We need to discuss what I was looking at when we were in college uh i think that's a good touch um if you're going to use lovecraft heavily hit on the themes but do it in a cool way and um i think this example of garbled english when you're having your mind screwed with i think i think that's a good touch i think it was well executed i'll read the next one too because i was short aside from the Okay, go ahead. Aside from the most unusual English, if it can be labeled as such, I took notice that the date of the letter was several weeks late. The day of its receipt was January 7th, nearly a month delayed. If anything, this lateness inspired me with more passion to pay a visit to my old colleague, especially considering that his hopelessly broken English shined light on his growing instability, possibly even hitting at his future inability to care for himself. Additionally, I knew that the nearest place of care for the mentally insane in Anatuska was dozens of miles west at Helensville Asylum. I wish he had said Arkham. Well, why, why would anyone just know that? I, I know all of the local <laughs> sanitariums in your area, just coincidentally. They're, dude, they're really good polka stops, all right? <laughs> <laughs> oh. A place with an especially bad reputation when it comes to crucial details such as sanitation and overall health of its patients. Wait, um, in twenty? Yeah, that's fa- that's very much a yeah, how asylums used like, to be. That's like not a thing anymore. And yeah. if it is, um, if I'm sure it is I'm sure somewhere. Found out rather quickly. Yeah, I'm sure it is somewhere. And I mean, old people's homes are famously bad, but that does feel like he's trying to describe, you know, American Horror Story Asylum. Yeah, a little bit. That era, but whatever. We'll continue on. Yeah. I settled on the decision to make the hours-long drive to Nanatuska. I had been there on rare visits in years past before I had met Kelton. Why? If only to check up on my former colleague's collapsing mental state. The day I departed from my recently acquired modest residential home, a storm was brewing, brewing on the horizon. St- storms are brewing. <laughs> we said no inside joke. Shit. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Offering threats of blizzard. And relentlessly to boot. 
Weather forecasts had already predicted snowfall, possibly reaching up to two feet or more, and I cared not to be caught in such a catastrophe before beginning my upstate journey to Ninatuska. Unfortunately, I was not faced with much fortune. I, the longer I drove, as hours passed, it became clear that the storm front was scattered very far north, originating from some place in mid-Michigan, probably as lake effect snow from colossal Lake Michigan, hmm. and forming a swell in the sky that would not likely disperse until it had released its load and its fury upon a fair portion of northern Indiana. Give me a figurative jolt. Oh, giving me a figurative jolt now and then were occasional uncannily bright flashes of lightning toward Nanatuska through storms though through the though the storm though the storm was not fall not too fall not too fall <laughs> until much later uh yeah these I, i'm i'm very guilty of this when i write um i tend to make very large sentences very compound with a lot of description and i i understand not to toot your horn or anything no i'm saying this is a this is a defect i have uh it's 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 easy to read not easy to say but easier to read than it is to say and it keeps you interested with like changing up the sentence structure and everything yeah um and using so lots of i mean it's it's not bad writing but it is it's hard to recite he has the best words though doesn't he he has good Best words. words. He has good words. Luckily, I arrived at Kelton's Nanatuska residence shortly before the storm commenced. Unluckily, I found the place vacant of all signs of life. Snow outside of his home, piled a mere few inches in depth, revealed no recent passage of human footsteps. In fact, the only prints present were those of myriad of squirrels and birds. Okay. And all lights inside were dimmed disheartingly. I don't know I don't know how I feel about that sentence. Uh, like, okay. is the snow constantly falling? How would we know there were squirrels and birds around? Um, yeah, if anyway. the snow was falling, would the birds come out? I'm yeah. pretty sure they'd like stay in style. Yeah, I thought this was a torrential storm or something. Whatever. This evident vacancy. This evident vacancy sparked my concern, as anything could have happened in the weeks during which the letter was on its way to my own home. I powered up the creaky front steps and knocked first on the door, praying for a second that perhaps Kelton was only asleep and unarmed. Unharmed. unharmed. <laughs> he was packing. No response came, however, and I found it prudent to try the knob. The door swung open effortlessly, and immediately I was greeted with a pungent odor of paper and leather. Does he live in an old library? Okay. Stepping inside, I groped around on the wall for a light switch and flipped it, bathing the room in light. My jaw was agape instantly. Scattered around the room, haphazardly, were hundreds of moth-eaten papers torn directly from Kelton's, Kelton's agent, ancient, ancient books. <laughs> Displayed writings in unintelligible scripts and drawings of eerie beings with lanky bodies, slim legs, and wide skulls, with no obvious facial orifices, or of light in a black expanse passing for the sky, or more despairingly, of unnatural shapes descending from the skies whilst engulfed by a brilliant glow of orange cyan or white. The longer I explored this papery labyrinth, the more I felt a growing sense of unease. As it slowly dawned upon me, with the chills running up and down my spine, that I did not belong there, looking extensively upon the intricately detailed drawings, 
early historic in origin, assumedly dating back from the, at latest, uh, the 3rd century BCE, judging by the style used. Um, the quality of the leather papers and the warmness of the paint. And even, and seeing the increasingly unearthly, unearthly monstrosities painted upon them, I became increasingly aware of a mental men, men, of a mentally gnawing sensation almost as if my mind were being violated by a uh, vile sort of energy then with one faith, fateful glance i recognized a recent handwritten note on the back of the door i had just opened to make my entry before we read that note um i where the hell do you get these old books from well it's like, he's trying wait the author's trying really really hard to be lovecraft and that's not a bad thing except it's a hodgepodge like this is Pittman's model this is dreams in the witch house this is um the dunwich horror like if you want to use the lovecraftian style cool but stick to one theme and try to you know make that your focus because i think that's bad just innately but not, maybe not innately but and it, everyone in horror or everyone should in horror know lovecraft and know these stories and know the influences and you know if someone wrote in stephen king style and had it and like a bunch of other famous stephen king monsters just all kind of packed into one paragraph you know where's the you know it, it kind of loses its direction in my mind all right, so the note he found. January 5th, 2015. Now leave. They are not our friends. And that's in that weird broken English. So he's broken into his friend's house and just found a bunch of weird shit everywhere that's incomprehensible and frightening. <clears throat> the moment that my mind finished dreadfully processing that petrifying message, blinding light swallowed me from all windows, accompanied by an intense mechanical warmth and a deafening roar of machinery. The room pulsed uh -oh. rhythmically as if shaken by colossal engines, and every single thing present in the room shook violently or toppled about if it wasn't flung inexplicably across the room or launched to the ceiling as if reversed by gravity. And now it's just paranormal activity. Well, through Lovecraftian eyes, yeah. which, is, which is interesting. It could be. My heart began to race immediately, and even with my blinded eyesight, I managed to race through the open doorway and over the ground wet with flash-melted snow and climbed into my car, slamming the door with enough force to form a minuscule crack in the window. Oh, damn. Light still engulfed everything, and I became astounded, astoundedly aware of vaguely humanoid shapes ascending from the sky. Okay, and now this is just the Migu. All right. In the sheer madness of the situation, which unnatural vigor... Maybe he wrote it about the Migu. In the sheer madness of the situation, with unnatural vigor, I rapidly pulled out of the driveway and hurtled onto the back road. Racing determinedly to escape from the aerial nightmare. Aerial. <laughs> In the sky. As soon as I hit the rose, the light diminished completely, but I was still blinded. The time, this time by blustering snow falling at an undeniably blizzardly rate. So it was a blizzard. Okay, it's a perfect example. This time, the blizzard was blizzardly. <laughs> yeah, this time by the blustering snow falling at an undeniably blizzardly rate. Just, I was going into a blizzard. Like you said, sentence structure needs to be changed up. It doesn't always... Every sentence doesn't well, have he to does. be... Well, but that... No, like, he's still being very... I keep saying he, shit. The author is still being very but overly descriptive. To quote one of exceeding wisdom, I'm a dude. 
he's a dude she's a dude <laughs> we're all dudes so it's okay <laughs> um i don't know he could have just said i'm going through the blizzard the narrator could have just said i jumped in my car hit the back roads and found myself in the blizzard um, that think, would have been fine i think you should take a second to talk about the migu though because the migu okay well no because i'm just gonna go through then i'll have to go through every reference he's making to lovecraft do that okay whatever okay the migu were aliens from pluto that came down in a lovecraft story and paraded as humans and basically was trying to be brain snatchers it's one of the earliest examples in science fiction literature we have of aliens coming down to earth because lovecraft wrote in the early 1900s it's a great story i forget which what the title is i'll have to look it up but it's the one with the migu um very influential very influential and that's what I feel he's pulling from, as well as Pickman's model, as well as other stories. All right. Uh, da, 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 da. I could not yeah. see even as I guided my car through the empty back roads, but I realized that I must have a wrong turn when I mistakenly arrived at a dead end surrounded by, on all sides by dense forests, trees, curi curiously lacking layered snow. Moments before I was capable of swerving the car around and continuing my escape, the ominously effulgent light returned and swallowed me whole. The car rumbled as it abandoned the damp ground in favor of the greeting of greeting the hot air, and even the trees surrounding me reacted by, by painstakingly leaning away from the intruding alien light. My mind was racked horrified as hands tipped with six wiry things clamped to every window of the car, numbering in the dozens until finally they parted ways in the middle of the windshield to reveal a single, disturbing culmination of everything deemed unholy by mankind and certainly a portion of the animal kingdom. <laughs> and certainly a portion of the animal kingdom. <laughs> Even though we are a portion of... Okay. Yeah, hmm. The voices I heard from unexplained sources in that fading moment, they spoke a horrid creole of English and something not belonging to our earth. What can possibly communicate in such a grueling manner? Again, the Migu. God damn it. Okay. I knew it. That's that's the thing you should have talked about. Yeah, okay. Da -da -da -da. What occurred between that and my awakening in my car in the driveway of my disturbingly snowless platinum home is a mystery to me. I woke with the feeling that a minimal period of time has passed, perhaps only a number of minutes or even seconds, yet the surroundings suggested otherwise. Now it was dawn, and the sun was shining weak warmth upon the cold environment. As I said, my home was lacking in snow. The premises of the neighboring homes were not, and in fact the snow was piled three feet high at the very least. That, though, is not the sensation ranging from my lower chest to my upper belly. Looking down, I glimpsed with the greatest horror I have ever seen. You skipped a sentence. Oh, did I? What? That, though, is not the most jarring factor. Okay. Uh, the strangest... Uh, that, though, is not the most jarring factor. The strangest of all is that I woke shirtless, lying in the backseat of my car, with a stinging sensation raging from my lower chest to my upper belly. Looking down, I glimpsed at the greatest horror I've ever felt in my life, a black tattoo identical to that one which Kelton Haven had received five years prior. Okay, so now I'm confused. He was abducted by Aryans. Was was Kelton abducted in the dorm? Because it's it, the way the author made it sound is that Kelton was just like keeping to himself in the dorm, 
and then maybe gave himself the tattoo or something when he was studying weird things. And if it if this huge cascade well, of light and abduction scenario happens, people would have noticed. It uh, happened to our... Not necessarily. Well, it happened to our narrator in a remote area that no one was going to see, and that's why we can kind of suspend our disbelief. No, like, but if it happens if... on a dorm in a university, everyone's going to be like, what the hell was that, right? And not just stumble in and go, oh, hey, Kelton, what's with the back tattoo? Maybe it was like 7 o'clock in the morning, or maybe it was during class. Nobody's up at 7 o'clock in the morning. It was when everyone campus. was hung over and didn't want to get out of bed. That, yeah, the, the aliens knew what to attack, to attack after a really dank party. <laughs> All right. Uh, last paragraph, I believe. Yeah. Um... <clears throat> In addition to that, though to a lesser extent, was a quiet, dim desire to look more into the things that Kelton had studied so profusely. Of course, that was shrouded by my innate horror. As for this documentation, I write it for the sole purpose of making my story before it is too late, for I fear that my own mind might be commencing to slip. At the same time, one can only wonder what lies beyond our atmosphere, who may be observing from the heavens above, and where those who go missing but are never found disappear too. That pondering is what leads me to believe that my ability, my stability is limited in the near future, and that those things that I met, uh, I met not be provoked any further. So, Migu, 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 uh, not a bad... But they didn't steal his brain. They didn't, but... They let, well, they stole, may have stole his brain. It's an alien abduction story, and this can be very cool. I wonder if he got a CAT scan, if you would find he'd been lobotomized or something. Which is good that he didn't do that, because he didn't need to add any further information the author made sure that we were given enough to ponder it which is fine again i'm not and a reason to never touch the whole scenario ever again yeah it decently written story if it wasn't so obvious they was trying to emulate lovecraft so closely i like i said love lovecraft stories but when you rely too heavily on the themes and reference things so close that you might as well just use the names from the Lovecraft stories. Well, yeah, it kind of loses its originality. But why would a person who's never read Lovecraft on a college campus know who it is and why they're doing what they're doing? Oh no, I'm saying from the author's perspective, the, sto- the way the story was written. We're, I'm reading this and going, "Yep, that's the Migu. Yep, that's Pittman's right, model. Yep, that's that." But maybe he doesn't want to like use the terms. Exactly, but he's doing it so closely, he might as well be. I'm saying the effect of his writing is. You know, it, it it's too close. It's imitating too closely. And I don't think that was intentional. And I don't think that it makes it a bad story. Just for me, being versed in the weird fiction, it was kind of hard to take it seriously. But to someone who doesn't know Lovecraft, and there are people who don't, of course, maybe it would be very well received. Well, I don't I know. It. You liked it? Okay. Um, I haven't read that much Lovecraft, but overall, mm. I like the story. Okay. It's simple. Um, it's simple. It's descriptive. It paints a nice picture. Yeah, and it's a way of talking about aliens in a day and age where everyone just goes. But uh, Wilbur was out in the car, and then there was an alien <laughs> light, and the chickens were freaking scared. And the chickens went crazy and started humping on the cows. <laughs> and it's all the Democrats' fault. <laughs> and i just made the first episode political god damn it good job good job now we're never gonna get any traction (laughs) any uh any southern 
imitations I make are purely from Squidbillies, so take that with whatever salt you want. I'm looking at the comments here. There's only three. Uh, let's see. This is a very fascinating read, which, yeah, I'll give it that. It was a fascinating read. Oh, we should mention, shouldn't we mention the author? Thank uh, you. It's not credited, but it oh. looks like the author replied. Um, Thank you very much. Read in light or dark mode. Lethal pen. Lethal pen. Um, so yeah, the first first comment says, this is a very fascinating read. The second one is from Shadow Swimmer, who uh, back when I narrated Creepypastas, I did a few of his stories. He's a very good author. You should check him out. Um, Shadow Swimmer 77. He did The Lonely Stars, which is a pretty good sci-fi pasta, actually, which I've read, but we can read if you haven't read it in a future episode. That'd be okay. good. Yeah. Uh, Shadow Swimmer says, I love the Lovecraftian influence. Ha uh ha. -huh. Part of it almost had me think I was reading a lost section from Shadow Over Innsmouth. There's another one. However, sometimes it comes on a little strong. Not sure the story is long enough for two instances of the word effulgent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shots fired. Nevertheless, well-written and of considerably higher quality than much of what gets posted 8 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, harsh critic. Uh, but he's right. Uh, Shadow Swimmer is right. I'd agree with all his points. I don't think repeating effulgence a bad thing because Lovecraft repeated words a bunch too. Yeah, but there was a point where the author like used increasingly twice in the same paragraph. Oh, was it in the same times, paragraph? Something like that. Well, again, yeah. Lovecraft did that because he wrote incredibly long paragraphs with the same descriptive words. You know, look up a wiki source and of Lovecraft and then control find for Eldritch. I'm not going to lie. I got bored of Lovecraft. It's all just, oh my God, look at that thing you can't see, but I can see. And let me describe it. Oh my God. Well, that is, yes, that can happen. But what I stick with Lovecraft for is the concepts it makes you ponder after you've read the story because I'll be thinking of like I'll randomly be reminded of the story a week after I've read it or a couple days and just go huh maybe that's what he was getting at the stories themselves and how they're written they yeah he falls into his own tropes a lot but he tackles things like alien abduction before anyone did and I think we'll end on this note but one of my favorite stories is called Under the Pyramids. It's a short story from Lovecraft. And it has a a European, I think an American? Either European or an American traveling to Egypt. He's a famous wrestler or something. And he goes to Cairo and then gets challenged to like a wrestling match by the locals. Who are, of course, because it's Lovecraft, dirty Arabs who, you know, have <laughs> some nefarious plot. And you know, uh, we just read through it at this point. But they ba basically, he ends up being knocked out and lowered into a tomb. And he wakes up, and he's trying to find his way out, and then he sees hieroglyphs. Although he doesn't describe them as hieroglyphs, he just says weird carvings of people with animal heads and shit on it. And then as he's wandering out, he starts hearing this cacophony, this really inhuman sound. And then a parade walks by him, and it's these weird half-human, half-animal things. And he gets freaked out and he manages to make it out. And his therapist says, you got to write this shit down to deal with it. And after I read that, I immediately just thought, okay, well, I mean, that was a fun story about Egypt. But then later it occurred to me, oh, maybe Lovecraft was saying, when we look at hieroglyphs, we assume that's just the Egyptians' way of using myth to describe and explain their universe. But what if they actually saw weird human-animal hybrids and worship them as gods and put them down in tombs. 
how creepy is how creepy is that well not really because i always thought okay no those are just their gods that's how they that's how they explain them as so that's what lovecraft does but i grew up on stargate okay fair enough um and this story yeah it makes you ponder Mm, what if you know people who disappear they're going to weird alien spaceships we don't know that's the point of lovecraft it makes you ponder after the fact for me anyway all right Okay. That is our first episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening. If you have a story you would like us to read and critique, you can contact me on Twitter at abysmi, A-B-Y-S-M-I-I. I will put links in the description of this for the stories we read and where you can find them. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you.